Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Give God praise in the house. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy of all praise and honor and glory today. We exalt your name, Jesus, above every other name. And as we look to your word today, let it become light and life to us. Lord, stir up something in us during this Christmas season in the face of all the things that we're going through, that you will be exalted among us. And we give you praise in advance for what you're going to do in us and through us, in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you're able. The spirit of Christmas. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. Can I get a witness? Thank you, both of you. This morning I want to talk to you about the spirit of Christmas. What is the spirit of Christmas? I've heard people say, you know, if the world could only enter into the spirit of Christmas, all our problems would be solved. It kind of seems to vary from person to person. For Scrooge, the spirit of Christmas was a ghost. To the liquor industry, the spirit of Christmas comes in a bottle. For some people, the spirit of Christmas is the joy and happiness found in uh, consuming millions of turkeys and, and hams. For other people, the spirit of Christmas is a sad spirit. It reminds us of loved ones who are not with us anymore and of circumstances and situations that come in families when we try to get together, and this year, even more difficult. For others, Christmas is the time of being thankful. And the the common response to what is the spirit of Christmas is that the spirit of Christmas is about giving, and that should consume our life this year involved in giving, from a piece of candy to a Rolex to everything in between. So the basic question, what is the spirit of Christmas? All of these things that I've just suggested and been suggested by others are wrong. Some are bad, some are nice, but all are wrong. When contemplating the true spirit of Christmas, none of those things really hit it. But in the first and second chapter of Luke, we see the true spirit of Christmas. Let me begin with the characters in the Christmas story. Let's start with Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. 
She had in her room none other than John the Baptist. Mary went to be with Elizabeth and told her that she was to be the mother of the Messiah. And Elizabeth responds in verse one of verse 41 of chapter 1, she says, it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her room, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spoke with a loud voice, a voice of praise, and said, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy grieving sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So we've got babies that haven't been born yet that get the spirit of Christmas. The baby leaped in her room with joy. What was Elizabeth's response to Christmas? What was her, her response to the anticipated joy of his birth? Very simply, praise, blessed, blessed. And it wasn't that Mary was blessed, it was that Mary was the recipient of the blessing of God. In verse 67 of chapter 1, we meet Zechariah, the priest, who was the father of this baby, John the Baptist, that was coming, the husband of Elizabeth. Verse 67, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, listen to his response, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. His response is the same as his wife. He blesses the Lord. He praises the Lord. Let's go to the next person. In verse 10, we meet the angel. The angel announced this to the shepherds that the Savior is born. And then it says in verse 13 of chapter 2, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men for whom his favor rests. What was the response of the angelic host? It's praising God. It's glorifying God. It's the same as Zechariah. It's the same as Elizabeth. What about the shepherds? What was their reaction? When they saw Mary and Joseph and the baby, the shepherds returning glorified, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were told them. Some time passes, and two other individuals enter the scene of the birth of Christ. Simeon. In verse 25, a devout, godly, righteous man waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And when it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, he came by the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law, Simeon took him in his arms. And what did he do? He praised God. And then there's Anna, the prophetess, a widow who day and night was in the temple fasting and praying. In verse 38, coming up to them, at that moment she gave thanks to God. She glorified God. She blessed the Lord. It'd be fairly obvious after seeing this that the spirit of Christmas is, can I say, worship. Worship. It's a Godward focus. We don't focus on relationship here on the human level. It's it's something that's beyond that. Remember with the wise men that came in Matthew 2, what they said? We have seen a star in the east, and we have come to worship him. To worship him. Every personality that passes by the nativity has one response, worship. Even the unbelievers could see that. Herod, the hypocrite, though he didn't mean it, 
He said, tell me where that child is so I may go and worship him. If Christmas is saying anything, it's a time of worship. Listen, worship is an attitude of the heart that is so filled with wonder and thanksgiving at the person and the work of God that it is abandoned to praise and adoration. That's worship. If there's ever a time when we need to be overflowing with praise and glory to God in the sending of his son Jesus, it not only ought to be at Christmas, but it needs to be in the middle of this COVID. Because as we will probably talk about next Sunday, the context of when this happened, it was not a pretty picture. Just throw away all those Christmas cards that have all these pretty pictures of Mary and Joseph and the, uh, and the baby. Uh, that's not how it looked. It was one of the most difficult times in the world when this baby was born. And it's one of the most difficult times in America and in this world when we come to December, a celebration of the Christ child who was born in Bethlehem's manger, who came to be the savior of the world. Now we left out one important individual, it's Mary. She had more intimacy with this child than anybody else. She bore this child. And verse 46, we, we have this hymn, the hymn of the incarnation, we call it. She said, my soul does magnify the Lord. And she, she comes and begins to, to, with all the things that we, we just read in the passage. The angel said, you found favor with the Lord. Verse 31, you'll conceive and bring forth a son, and his name will be called Jesus, which means Savior. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There's not going to be any end. Could somebody get excited about that? He is an eternal king with an eternal kingdom. God in human flesh, his name, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He shall save his people from their sins. And in verse 41, Elizabeth and Mary meet, and Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, and having been filled with the Spirit, she says, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come? And the sum of all of what's going on in this, this story is they acknowledge something mighty, something incredible, something powerful is happening. The cause of Mary's praise, she said, my Spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. You see, Mary's excitement was not just in the fact she was going to bear the Christ child, but Mary, through the, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, knew that this baby born to her in Bethlehem's manger would eventually become her Savior. Her Savior. And so when we look at this hymn of the incarnation with Mary, there are three things that flow out of it today I want to share in the next few minutes. First of all, the attitude of worship that you see with Mary. Secondly, the object of the, her worship. And thirdly, the reason for her worship. The attitude of worship. Verse 46, 47, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Worship begins from within. Mary says, my soul does magnify the Lord, 
and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. The soul, it's the seat of your mind, emotions, and will. My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. It starts inside of you, brothers and sisters. Friends, it starts inside of you. Christmas didn't happen when you put up a Christmas tree. Christmas doesn't happen when you decorate the house. Christmas happens deep inside the resources of your spirit when your soul within you reaches that place of rejoicing and excitement. The Savior has been born, the Redeemer of the world. There is hope for America and the world. And it doesn't come through politics. It comes through the revelation of this baby in the manger. His name is Jesus. He will be the Savior of the world. Somebody get excited about that. The tragedy is, for so many people, the things about Christmas become commonplace. And for many of us, there's no joy and excitement this season because we're living with our mask on. Can we admit together, I need to find some agreement in the house. Can we admit together that we've been through 10 months of hell so far? Well, well, let's start there. So it's easy for us to come to this holiday season and say, you know what, let's just get through this. You know what, I understand that. Because we're weary. We're weary with all the things we're dealing with. And we have some of us that are dealing with depression that we never even had before. Some of us are feeling isolation we never felt before. Some of you that are home and not been able to be at church because of many, many situations. It's so easy for us to come to this holiday season. I, I, I just believe there's somebody that I'm talking to right now. You haven't even put up a Christmas tree. You're not putting up any directions. You're not even buying a poinsettia. I just read somebody's mail just then. You know, what the heck? Let's just get through this. I want to tell you how to get through this. And the way you get through this is not ignoring Christmas. The way you get through this is not ignoring the celebration of what this month is about. It's about the fact that there is hope. His name is Jesus, and we come to my soul and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. It starts inside of you. I can't make you rejoice, but if you can acknowledge what's going on inside of you, what he's done for you, something should rise with praise in your heart. The other thing about this attitude of worship, not only is it internal, it's intense. Oh, hallelujah. The word here magnifies is a good word. It's an interesting word. The first half of it is mega, meaning big and large. The translation magnifies is is an excellent translation. It's the cause to swell or to cause to grow. Like you take a magnifying glass and put it over something and immediately it swells and gets bigger. So the term mega is used when you're describing something that's large, something that's loud, something that's great, something that's intense. And when it says she magnifies the Lord, it means she exalts him. 
She glorifies him. She lifts him up. She extols him. She extends loudly, loudly, greatly the Lord. She magnifies the Lord for who he is. My soul does magnify, exalt, glorify, lift up the name of the Lord. Then there's the word here, rejoice. My spirit hath rejoiced. Well, apparently you haven't lived through COVID. Well, you don't know the hell she and Joseph were living through. You don't know what the government was doing to them. You don't know where they lived. It's always easy to judge where other people are and say, well, they, you know, no wonder they're excited. Look what's going on with them. But you don't know what happened behind the closed doors. I'm just telling you, friends, there was no reason in the environment in which they were living in for anybody to be excited. Okay? There was no reason for anybody to be excited. She said, my soul has rejoiced. It means to be overjoyed. It means to be exceedingly joyful. It means to be joyful out loud. You say, well, you know, Ron, I like it quiet and peaceful. Well, have you ever gotten excited about anything? If you've never gotten excited about anything, then we just need to pull the dirt over you. I'm excited this morning. I may be the only one in the house, but I'm excited today. Rejoice, overjoyed. It's a, kind, it's a swelling kind of joy. Mary is, is, is literally bursting in intense, overwhelming praise and adoration to the Lord. There's nothing shallow about this. There's nothing superficial about this. They're not making a movie here. She's not playing an, uh, uh, a role. She's not acting. She's living this. My soul hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Say what you will, friends. When that joy gets into your life and in your spirit, it becomes intense and you can't keep quiet about it. Here's the tragedy. There are Christians even who have lost that joy. How easy it is for us to forget what this is really all about. Unfortunately, there's so many Christians don't, don't respond anywhere like what Mary's saying to us. We go through the motions sometimes. You see, what, you know what kills the church? Apathy. People just going through the motions. I remember years ago in our church, uh, we were just seeing God do incredible things, and, and the presence of God was so powerful as we gathered together for worship. People who were unchurched <clears throat> would come and sit, and, who had never been in a church before, and they'd just weep in the presence of God. They had never felt anything like this before. They had never experienced anything like this before. It was the presence of God in the house as people gathered together to worship. And I had one man who was a, who was a, a business leader in the city of Winston-Salem. He, he had never been in a church before, and he came, and he kept, he's saying to me, Pastor, he said, I just come there, and I just, just weep. I'm feeling something I've never felt before. I'm experiencing something I never knew existed before. 
I said, well, it's, it's the presence of the Lord. But you know, three or four years later, he stopped crying. You know why? Because it's easy for the things of God to become commonplace to us. That's why we need a whole room full of new Christians. So they can show some of us who've been saved for 30 years that there is joy and excitement in Jesus. Yep, I'm talking to you. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Look at the scripture where people have, have let the things of God become commonplace. The Lord says, I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord, neither will I accept an offering from your hand. God says, you're coming to me and worshiping me, and you offer me nothing. You don't give me the best out of your flocks, and you say, this is contemptible, and you say, this is boring. What a weariness this whole deal is. I hear Christians saying that. Then you must have forgot what this is about. Mary comes with the right kind of worship. Thirdly, her attitude toward worship, it's habitual. You know, my soul continually magnifies the Lord. This is not just for a moment. It's just not when I come to church. Does anybody understand that worship is not about what happens on Sunday morning? Worship is, is what happens as a, in a lifestyle. You can be on Friendly Avenue or West Wendover or Interstate 40 and have worship. In fact, if you're driving it today, you need to be worshiping. Don't close your eyes, but worship. It's a, bit, it's a way of life. The scripture says, in everything give thanks. It didn't say for everything. In everything give thanks. It's an attitude. No matter what goes on in my life, I always find myself being able to rise above it, to worship and to praise him for who he is. The whole, my whole of life should be magnifying the Lord. Paul summed it up in Philippians when he said, my goal in life is that Christ may be magnified through me, whether by life or death. That Christ would be magnified in me. Let me just say, friends, 200 and 51 or so of our church family over the last month was, were out doing things all over this community. And what were we doing? We were magnifying the Lord to the city. Magnifying is not just raising your hands. It's not just singing a song. Magnifying the Lord is when you start acting like Jesus somewhere. Thank God this church body magnified the Lord this month in Greensboro. And over the next two or three weeks, when you're encountering or wherever you're working with people and, and having Zoom calls with people who are down, who are, who are dealing with depression, would you just magnify the Lord in your life so that people can know there's hope beyond what's going on? I talked last Sunday when I was in the Nashville preaching about the fact that, that when I was a kid growing up, when we came to Thanksgiving or Christmas, 
my grandmother always prayed. And I can still remember being nine years of age and hearing her prayer, which was a sermon. We covered all the missionaries on every continent. And she prayed for every, and, and she was hoping that, you know, the unsaved members of our family would, would be convicted through her prayer. All they were is more hungry. And I'm eight years old, and I'm, and I'm peeking, and I'm seeing that turkey sitting in front of me, and I'm saying, oh, Grandma, please. Let me tell you how you witness at Thanksgiving and Christmas when you have people, family over. Try to be correct here. When you have less than 10 over. And they, they leave. They don't say anything to you, but a week or two later, they say to each other, you know what? It was just so great to be over at Joe and Mary's house for Christmas Day. There's just something about them. I don't know what they got, but I know we need some of that. That's called magnifying the Lord through your life. Sometimes you preach a sermon without saying a word. It's just your heart. It's your spirit. But if you're depressed, they have to wonder whether the Jesus in you works. My soul, my spirit magnifies the Lord. Continually magnifies the Lord. And this is the fourth ingredient. The fourth ingredient is humility. Mary couldn't believe it. She, here's what she says. You've, you've taken this handmaiden of lowly estate and done great things in her and through her. I don't know about you, but that gives hope to, to all, of us, all of us in the room if you think about it. For God to use you, you don't have to have some title or position for God to use you, you don't have to be, have a certain amount of degrees. For God to use you, you don't have to have money. For God to use you, you can be a lowly handmaiden. That God reaches to and taps her on the shoulder and says, Mary, I've acknowledged your low estate, and I'm going to do something great through you. Can anybody get this? I've acknowledged who you are. I've acknowledged where you are. I've acknowledged the struggle you're in. But just know this. I want to do something great in you. I want to do something great through you. You know, in today's vernacular, you know, if, uh, if you get tapped and say, you know, you're going you're to be the mother of the, the Messiah, you know, Here's how Mary could have responded. Wow, didn't know I was that great. Wow, God must see stuff in me that I've never seen in myself. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I gotta be more wonderful than I thought I was. Uh-uh. That's not the kind of people God uses. God uses people who are grateful that they're being used. Not look at me not watch me. 
God has acknowledged my estate, acknowledged where I'm at, and he wants to tap me and do something great through me. That's what happened with Mary. The angel told her she was going to be the mother of our Lord. She was a handmaiden, a slave girl. I dwell, the Lord says, I have set myself up in the heavenlies. A humble heart, humble spirit God uses. So her attitude was something that happened from inside of her. She rejoiced. It's something that was expressed outside of her. You can't keep quiet if you get excited enough. Well, that's what I thought. I said, you can't keep quiet if you get excited enough. Some of you have been excited about all the wrong things. I need you to get excited about Jesus this month. And the other, t- other 12. Humble spirit. The attitude of worship. The second is the object of worship. And I'm moving quickly here. I'm running out of time. It's obvious the object of worship was the Savior, the Lord. My eyes, Simeon says, have seen thy salvation. Zacharias said, God has raised up a horn of salvation. His name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It's pretty clear what the angel is saying. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. She worshiped, Mary worshiped God, her Savior. It wasn't about Mary. It wasn't that, that she was holy. It was that Jesus was. And then the reason for our worship, because of what he's done. Marvelous are you, Lord. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. We worship you, Lord, for what you've done. We worship you for who you are. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud with the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She's reciting God's faithfulness. He has been faithful in the past. The spirit of Christmas is an attitude that's present of everybody who gathers around the major scene. And we come in the midst of a COVID to Christmas 2020. And you've got a couple of choices to make this month. One is to say, woe is me. One is to say, this is awful. One is to watch too much of the news. Want us to spend too much time on Facebook hearing how bad things are everywhere. But another is to get your focus on him whom to know is life eternal. Set your heart on where there is reason for rejoicing. There's no reason to rejoice over the COVID. There's no reason to rejoice over stuff. There's reason to rejoice over my Savior. My Savior. He is the king of the ages. He he is the God 
of all gods. He is the center place of civilization. He is the miracle of the ages. He is the wellspring of wisdom. He is the doorway of deliverance. He is the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He is the gateway to glory. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. We come today to worship him. It doesn't mean that COVID goes away. It means that there's something bigger than COVID. There's something greater than COVID. There's something more powerful than what I'm feeling in my emotions of depression. Would you join Mary? Would you join Mary at the beginning of this Christmas month and say, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Would you bow your head with me for a moment of prayer? I want to pray for people in this room and for those that are beyond the walls of this house this morning. Some of you are going through very, very difficult times. I acknowledge that with you. Some of you are battling with sickness. Some of you are dealing with depression because of all that's happening. But I want to say to you, if you'll join with Mary this Christmas month, things can be different for you. Maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've never ex experienced the power of that baby from Bethlehem's manger who can transform your life. Our heads are bowed in this room, and there are people that are watching me in your living rooms, your kitchens, wherever you are. The Bible says if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. If we will acknowledge him for who he is, if thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he came forth from the dead, you can be saved. That baby in Bethlehem, 33 years later, died on a cross to purchase your salvation, to purchase your redemption, to purchase your forgiveness so you could be whole today and free. We're going to pray together here in this room, and I'm going to ask those of you beyond the walls of this room to pray with us. And if you'll pray it from your heart, God's going to hear it and respond. Let's pray together. Would you join me, everyone? Dear Jesus, pray it out loud with me. Dear Jesus, I open my heart to you. I believe you came to this earth. You gave your life that I could be free. I invite you to come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my past. Give me a brand new beginning today. I acknowledge you as my savior. Let your joy fill my heart today. Let your joy crowd out my depression today. Let your joy fill me today. Thank you for loving me, Jesus. Thank you for touching my life today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Those of you who are watching me online, they're friends there in that chat room right now that will take a moment to pray with you and help you as you begin your walk with Jesus. Congregation, can we stand together? I'm gonna ask the worship team to lead us and I want us to sing and I want us to, to worship the Lord today. 
Maybe you, maybe you didn't understand how much you needed to do that on the, first, on the front end of this service, but I hope I hope helped you recognize how desperately you need to do it now. I don't care how timid you are, I'm gonna ask you to join with the worship team. Lift your voice. I promise you, you're gonna feel better before you get out of here if you just lift your voice. Let's worship together. Come on, come on, worship together.